Next on BYU Sports Nation, the NBA dream remains alive for Yoli Childs, but with no invite to the NBA or G League combines, what does it mean for his pro future? Men's Hoop signs three players for the future. Is Mark Pope building for instant success or the long term? And which movie best describes BYU's tenure as a college football independent? Bill Connolly of SB Nation gives his take. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play, back in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, May 9th, wherever and however you're connected, streaming, Great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with aspiring T-shirt designer, Jerem Jordan. I want a bunch of one-off T-shirts that just say, like, the football schedule is too hard. That would be amazing. Uh, Someone did give me a shirt to give to you in the past that said, Mitch Mathis is elite. Um, Yeah. I just want a series of one-offs. So if you're willing to do that for free or very cheap, (laughs) tweet at me. If you're a T-shirt distributor, let Jeremy yeah, I don't know. want a 10-pack or a 100-pack. I just want one-offs. One. Like maybe maybe one. two. Maybe I need to just iron them on a T-shirt. I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know. Okay. Again, he's aspiring, so help I him am. out if you... Uh... You have uh, a lot of times I don't inroads know. to the t-shirt business. Let Jerem know. I didn't know the things you tell me. I'm mm-hmm. like, I didn't know that. Now you about know. me. Now you know. Another loaded show lineup today. BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson making his show debut. How is it to finally coach with Mark Pope and not against him? Because they've been all over the place and competed against each other in the coaching uh, field. Win probabilities for BYU football in the marquee games. Too high, too low, or just right? Plus Bill Connolly of SB Nation on why he labels BYU football and independence as Groundhog Day. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU basketball forward Yoli Childs did not receive an invite to the NBA Draft Combine or G League Combine. But according to The Athletic, Childs will work out for the Memphis Grizzlies today. What are his pro basketball aspirations like now that things are starting to materialize or not materialize? My Seattle Seahawks sign Ziggy Ansah to a one-year deal. Congratulations. That according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. ESPN's Adam Schefter reports Ansah may miss the first month of the season recovering from shoulder surgery. So I think that's why he got a one-year deal and maybe not more with somebody else because he is injured. More BYU basketball news. Richard Harward, Wyatt Lowell, and Trey Stewart have all signed financial aid agreements to play for BYU basketball. That's essentially a scholarship, but they can't sign a national letter of intent because that's already happened, so it's labeled a financial aid agreement. Scholarship. Harward and Lowell are transfers from Utah Valley University. They'll be sidelined for the upcoming season due to NCAA transfer rules. Stewart will serve a two-year mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in England before he enrolls and plays any basketball at BYU. Trey Stewart is a high flyer, by the way. Yeah, his his dad, uh, women's basketball assistant coach, we love him. And uh, Richard Harward, 6'11". Wyatt Lowell, 6'10". So when they play, some much-needed size and depth in the post yeah. of BYU. and Lowell, Lowell's not a post player. He's a shooter. Yeah. He's just a tall shooter. He's like a Zach Selyus type, right? 6'10 shooter. And Richard Harward's brother Ian played here. Yeah. Yep. And baseball plays its final home series of the season starting tonight, 8 Eastern on BYU TV Digital and BYU Radio against San Francisco. Cougars currently number 31 in RPI. 
Both the Cougars and Dons in the top four in the league. In fact, BYU is the top team in the West Coast Conference. Right now, the cut line for the WCC tourney is the top four teams. So BYU needing a series win not only to make the tourney, which they look like they're going to do, but also to be in an at-large position should BYU not win the West yeah, Coast Yeah, BYU Conference playing tournament. for more than just that spot in the postseason tournament. And for pride. They got to win the series. And for Brigham. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Yoli Childs does not get the official NBA Combine invite and was not invited to the G League Combine. I didn't know there was one until this year. Still working out (laughs) for some NBA teams, including the Memphis Grizzlies, this week. Jerem, what's your reaction to Childs not getting invited to either of those Combines? I'm not surprised about the NBA Combine. I, I didn't think he'd make the cut there. I am surprised by the G League Combine. Uh, that would be the next 40, I guess. He didn't make that? I, I am surprised by this because a year ago, he tested the waters. He met with teams. They told him he needed to improve some things like shooting and quickness and off the dribble, uh, his handle and whatnot. And I thought he improved in some of those things. His shooting percentage, he, he doubled his volume, but he didn't really improve his sorry his percentage, but he shot more. He showed that he can knock it down at times, right? Double-double machine, 17 of those, 15th in the country. Top 25 rebounder, number one in the league. Professionalbasketballcombine.com listed improvement areas as continued shooting development, rim protection, quick twitch athleticism because he's an undersized big. Okay. Strengths, paint physicality, rebounding technique, and maturity intangibles. So I, I think he's a pro player. I, I don't, he's not going to be drafted. I, 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 don't, I don't see it. I would love it. I don't see it. I think he's a G League player, and the fact that he didn't make the G League Combine invite is a little concerning, but it doesn't mean he's not going to play in the G League. No, I'm not really concerned about the G League situation in the least. I'm more concerned if he's working out for several NBA teams, and my understanding is he will have a bunch of workouts approaching in early June. So it starts with the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, he's on the radar of a lot of teams. He's going to have options to play in the G League for several of these teams. I'm not worried about that one. That said, not being invited to the NBA Combine typically is an indicator that you are not going to be drafted, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Exactly 11 non-draft combine invites have been selected in the NBA draft in the past five years. That's 11 college players. So an average of roughly two college players per year get drafted when they don't compete at the NBA draft combine. Yeah, and it's okay if he's not drafted. Like, the goal is to get to the NBA. We've seen Brandon Davies and Kyle Collinsworth get to the NBA without being drafted recently. So that's the path isn't always uh, the one that you thought it might be when you're younger. But Yoli Childs can perhaps get into the NBA at some point in the future. I think it's through the G League. And if and we've seen that Brandon Davies can have great success overseas. Of course, you can be the national player of the year and not get a lot of run in the NBA and still make a lot of money and score a lot of points and be Jimmer Fredette too. So there are lots of options in this way. But if NBA is your goal, I'm sure that Yoli was disappointed. He didn't make the combine invite, but I am weirded out by the G league invite a little bit or lack thereof. This is the situation where BYU football players are projected to go in the sixth or seventh round of the NFL draft, but most likely are going to be a free agent and go undrafted and then have options after that. I think Yoli Childs is in that situation where he'll work out for a bunch of teams, not get drafted, and then decide where he's going to try and make a roster or try and sign a two-way contract and get into one of those scenarios where 
he has in his best interest a shot to make it into the NBA through a back door. Yeah, that's that's what I think is going to happen. We're about a month into the Mark Pope era. We've had a few personnel uh, announcements so far, the latest being the signing of two Utah Valley transfers and Wyatt Lowell and Richard Harward, high school signee who will serve a mission first and Trey Stewart. Given that these three won't play next season, is Mark Pope building for instant success or the long term? Both. Mark Pope knows that he needs to make a splash in year number one, especially because BYU is coming off their first non-20 win season since 2004. It's been 15 years since BYU didn't win at least 20 games. He knows the fan base is frustrated. He knows they're ready for more, which is why he's working it in the transfer portal. And again, there are some things that have been announced that are not official, but he clearly is building for instant success. He wants BYU to be a competitor in the West Coast Conference immediately. And then, yes, by nature, the BYU job is long-term because you have to look seven years out at some time. It's crazy. It's super unique. So it's both. It's both. has to be. Yeah, it it just because three guys were announced that can't play next year or won't play next year doesn't mean he's not building for right now. In fact, he's close to signing the most impactful player perhaps on next year's team, but we can't say his name until he signs a, a certain grad transfer, right? I, I, I'm with you. It's both. I'm excited about these guys. So two were already at Utah Valley, and then Trey Stewart was a Utah Valley uh, guy that signed a, an NLI in November uh, to play there. So these are three guys that... Uh, Cody Fieger and Mark Pope and this group, they want it already. They know them. Uh, and, and Harvard and Lowell will get into even better shape and get into the systems and get uh, into BYU and whatnot. These are guys that perhaps if Mark Pope had been at BYU up until now, might have already been playing at BYU. Who knows? So these are, these are guys that fit into uh, what they want to do already. And I like a tall shooter like a Zach Selyus type like and Wyatt Lowell, Richard Harward is a guy that can bang down low. Kind of that. If he could play this year, he'd be that five guy that BYU is kind of looking for. Rim protector, good post player. Got way better at the end of the season, according to Mark Pope. Worked with Chris Burgess, who develops big guys apparently really oh, well. Yeah. No, Harward had a fantastic second half of the season. And then Trey Stewart is a, a guy that can apparently, well, Mark Pope in the release said, uh, Dunk you very much. Is Dunk you very much. So that's always exciting to have a guy off the bounce that can uh, throw it down. And of course, we love his dad, who's uh, on the women's basketball staff. Ray, Ray Stewart doing Ray's great the stuff. Oh, Ray, and seriously. Ray too. Trey, I think, honestly, is the best athlete to come out of the state of Utah last year in that class. Uh, you watch some of his dunk highlights at American Fork High School. It is crazy. It's crazy. He's jumping out of the gym for sure. So, yeah, it's, it's going to take a while. But I went to see him play in 17 years. That's the thing. After Mark Pope, yes, <laughs> building for the long term because a guy like Trey Stewart's not going to play for essentially three years. He's going to start playing in three years. It's just different. All right, SB Nation's Bill Connolly is going to join us on the program today. He released his annual BYU football report and gave the Cougars a six-and-a-half win over-under projection. We'll get into the... All of those wins in just a bit in about 20 minutes. But first, Jerem, he said this, and I quote, The independence experiment hasn't produced a dominant new national brand for BYU football, and it hasn't produced a withering program. It's produced Groundhog Day, end quote. So that got us thinking, which movie best describes BYU's tenure as a BYU football independent? There are a lot of different options here. I'll go with Iron Man 3, okay? Exciting moments, not a great movie. Solid, fine, good, whatever. Star Power with Tony Stark, a.k.a. Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, and so on. Unexpected plot twists, right? 
injuries. Some make sense, others don't. Why did we make this movie again? Why'd BYU go independent? <laughs> I've seen this movie before, like a lot of eight in kind of nine one season, right? Too many opponents to fight off at times. It had to be from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Power fives, yeah. And uh, it isn't the original Iron Man, aka the eighties <laughs> of BYU football. It's not quite the same thing, right? It's a it's a different. But name. it's still Tony Stark, right? Yeah, yeah. Still BYU football. Still watching. Still Stark Enterprises. Gonna watch no matter what. Yes. One because I love it. And two, it's my job. I'm going way off the radar. Galaxy Quest. <laughs> Galaxy Quest. I've never actually seen it. You haven't seen Galaxy no. Quest? No. <laughs> yes. I'm not, okay. and I'm not going to. Oh, you're not? No. Oh, my goodness. Okay, the title in and of itself says most of it because BYU football is an independent. Kind of feels like they're on a Galaxy Quest right now. They're out there For trying what? to do their own thing. A largely underappreciated movie. And we talked about this yesterday where it's like, okay, BYU's been pretty good. Other than 2017, independents they've been pretty good. Uh, Well... I, I don't feel the same. I feel like they've been consistently like in the same area. Yeah. Okay, they've, so would you say in the 40s out of 130 college football teams, that's not pretty good? Yeah, okay, pretty good. Yeah. Okay, Woo. yeah. Well, okay, Woo. so I'm saying largely underappreciated, better than we thought maybe. Solid cast with stars that burst onto the scene mostly in the 80s. Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, oh, Tony. Sigourney Weaver's still good. Come on. She burst onto the scenes in in uh, movies like Ghostbusters. Well, it was the seventies with Alien, okay. late seventies. Okay, yeah. all right. Tony Shalhoub, the guy who plays Monk, is in that movie. Okay, it's it's got a good cast, but underrated. It's kind of like the Power Five movies, Star Trek and Star Wars, set in space, but obviously not the same. Lower budget, maybe. <laughs> yes, dollar store version. Totally. But still recognizable because of cast members. Some great moments in the movie <laughs> and some not-so-great roll-your-eyes moments. It is Galaxy Quest. BYU football and independence is on a Galaxy Quest. Or perfection. There you go. Our question of the day. We want you to add your opinion. Which movie best describes BYU's tenure as a football independent? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Tammy Wilson answers on Facebook. Karate Kid. You're going to Wait, get... Is this Tammy one or two? I have no idea. Oh. You're going to get beat up, frustrated, and feel down and out, but if you stick to the training, eventually you come out on top. Hashtag BYUS. Now, which, which Karate Kid? With Jaden Smith or the, the OG? Oh, no. This, is, this has to be the OG. This is the OG? This has to be the OG. Okay. Just asking Yes. Yes. If it's the one with Jaden Smith, then I'd seriously question Tammy Wilson's movie preferences. Well, if it's Tammy 2, then, yeah, I don't know. Coming up, too high, too low, or just right margins for the BYU football schedule. But first, new men's basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson. What's it like to coach with Mark Pope finally? And remember what he did in 2004 with Stanford? We're going to discuss that next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight, the West Coast Conference leading BYU baseball team begins the final home series of the season against fourth place San Francisco. Watch it at 8 Eastern on BYU TV Digital or listen on BYU Radio. Live from Studio B, your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play continues. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. And joining us now in Studio B is one of the new BYU men's basketball assistant coaches 
Nick Robinson. Nick, welcome to your show debut. What's up, Nick? Well, Jerem Spencer, thank you very much. Excited to be here. Hey, uh, where were you for the shooting contest to win rights to the best assistant coach's office in the Annex? I was uh, up in the air, right, on a flight and uh, missed out on that experience. Oh, they but, conveniently uh, did yeah, it while yeah, you were there. Conveniently. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> why'd they hold it when you weren't there? That's unfair, man. Well, I'm pretty sure they knew that I was going to make uh, uh, maybe one more shot than they did, but, uh, <laughs> but that's okay. So which office did you get? Because next to Pope's office, there's one, two, three, and the third one is the best one, right? Yeah, the so the, yeah, the third one's got the office window. Chris got that one. Yeah, Chris got that one. So, uh, But uh, mine's got two windows uh, out to the gym. So okay. great office, uh, starting to get settled and um, feel really good about it. Well, at least you can hang this over their heads. You probably hit the biggest shot of any of the coaches on the staff right now. <laughs> Rewind to 2004 after a steal. You're playing against Arizona when you're with Stanford. You hit a half-court buzzer beater to win the game in dramatic fashion in front of Tiger Woods. Now, 15 years later, what goes through your mind when you think about that shot? Well, I'm still really thankful that that thing went in. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it was a great experience. Um, you know, that team, uh, you know, was uh, on an amazing ride. And uh, in that game versus Arizona, I mean, they're number 12, we're number two. Uh, Josh Childress hits an incredible three uh, to tie the game up. And, um, you know, we're on defense. Uh, we got to make one stop, and we do. Ball gets loose, uh, comes to me, take two dribbles, and uh, let that thing fly, and I'm so glad it went in. Um, but, uh, yeah, incredible experience. Tiger Woods uh, there, uh, Dick Vitale, Brent Musburger on the call. Uh, it was a great win for the team. Yeah, that was that was a big shot, and uh, I can see why they didn't uh, invite you <laughs> to a shooting contest after that. That makes total sense. What's it like to be at BYU for for you? Because you were a guy that you went to Stanford, you've coached at Southern Utah, you've been in the SEC, you've been at Seattle uh, in the whack against Utah Valley and Pope and those guys. What's this like for you to be in Provo now? Uh, it's been absolutely amazing. Uh, the first two weeks uh, to really be on campus um, and, and have been out of town recruiting a little bit of that. Uh, but everything is brand new. Uh, so I've got a lot of questions, um, learning a lot about uh, BYU. Uh, I mean, just uh, this facility in itself, I mean, this opportunity is so unique uh, when you compare it to, you know, other programs across the country and other experiences that I've had. So, um, you know, there's so much history here uh, in terms of basketball, in terms of athletics. Um, and just to be excited about the mission of BYU and what it represents uh, throughout the country, throughout the world, is such an incredible honor and privilege privilege uh, to be able to be a part of Coach Pope's staff and to be able to recruit individuals that want to come and be a part of a championship program, a championship uh, athletic department, and um, a championship university. It's kind of a unique thing that uh, none of the coaching staff, and still waiting to hear on the director of ops, right, haven't played at BYU, but you guys have all had some kind of connection to BYU, whether Figure and Pope were here as assistants, but you guys, you guys love this place, yet you didn't play here. Yeah. Um, you know, I was fortunate to be recruited by Coach Cleveland um, and Coach Rose uh, back in 97. Uh, but at that particular time, I had a couple other opportunities uh, that, um, uh, you know, were recruiting me a little bit more at that point. Obviously, I chose Stanford, a great institution. Uh, but since that time, I've followed BYU from a distance. Um, you know, I've had uh, friends and family members that have attended here. Um, but yeah, I didn't play here. I've never coached here. Um, you know, but obviously, 
see him I'm well aware of uh, the history and tradition of the players and the teams and the excellence that uh, BYU represents. So uh, the chance to be a part of it uh, and to be a part you know, of a great staff and uh, getting to know the guys, uh, just couldn't be more excited about the opportunity. Nick Robinson, one of the new BYU men's basketball assistant coaches with us on BYU Sports Nation. When did this opportunity first pop onto your radar? Where were you and how did you hear about this? Yeah, so when uh, Coach uh, Rose uh, retired, I mean, I thought that, uh, you know, he had a lot more, uh, you know, uh, time left in him, but uh, an amazing run. Uh, you know, I, I reached out uh, to find out a little bit more about the opportunity that may present itself. And, um, you know, and so really from that point on, uh, you know, discussions began. And uh, fortunately enough, you know, two weeks to the day uh, was provided the opportunity to be here by Coach Pope and uh, accepted. And here we are. So you, you've connected with Coach Pope in uh, that you were both in the SEC. Were you at LSU? Yeah, I was at LSU when he was at Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. And then you're in the WAC together. You're at Seattle the last, mm-hmm. what, two years, and he's at Utah Valley. So did you know him outside of that as well, or was it those two connections? Yeah, so we, we first met uh, in the SEC and um, uh, really actually began to build a relationship. So we've stayed in contact pretty consistently over the years. Uh, in fact, when I was at Southern Utah, we played uh, at Utah Valley uh, for one game. And, um, but, you know, the relationship has grown uh, pretty consistently over time and uh, looking forward to build that relationship uh, in a new way. And, um, you know, but to be able to be in the trenches uh, with Coach and Chris and Cody uh, and the players uh, and to get to learn a lot more about, you know, what it means to be, uh, right, a BYU men's basketball player in all facets of life, uh, again, is really, really exciting. And you get to coach with him and not against him for once. Yeah, you know, they, they beat up on us pretty good over at Seattle the past two years. So, you know, it, it's nice to uh, be able to join forces and uh, learn, uh, you know, from the experiences that they've had, uh, you know, contribute, uh, you know, some of the things that I've been able to experience uh, and bring that all together under Coach Pope's direction uh, into, you know, what we see as a, a great opportunity for the team moving forward. Now, at this point... What do you feel like you know about this current BYU roster and team? Yeah, so in terms of the roster, um, you know, over the past two weeks, uh, you know, I've really been able to reach out to each guy, uh, you know, either every day or every other day, uh, and really just trying to get to know them a little bit more. Um, you know, that's been a big emphasis, uh, you know, over the past couple of weeks. And so, you know, there's still a lot, a lot to learn about uh, them and their families. But, you know, I think that relationship building uh, is really the first step. Uh, you know, the roster, uh, you know, right now uh, is coming into focus. Um, you know, and we've been able to get on the floor with the guys this past week. Uh, we'll get on the floor with a couple or more of the guys in the coming weeks. Um, but obviously, they're, they're very talented. I mean, they won a lot of games last year. Um, you know, they played at an extremely high level. Uh, you know, things didn't quite end how they wanted. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of experience coming back with the roster. Um, and with, you know, some of the guys that we anticipate that will join us, you know, we really feel like the roster's coming into focus uh, and that we'll be able to work through the summer uh, in anticipation for the fall uh, and be ready for November 5th. The first group you recruit is the group that BYU has. Are we still at the, are, are we still in the point where you're, you're trying to lock everyone into coming back or not? Or have you checked that box where it's, okay, the team, we know who's coming back? Because certain guys could say, oh, I want to 
pursue a different opportunity. Yeah, I think there's always you know some fluidity with any transition. Uh, we'd like to think at this point that we've got a pretty firm grasp um, on the guys that uh, you know are on the roster moving forward. Um, you know, but Coach Pope, you know, at, at this point, uh, you know, is providing everybody a, a great opportunity to build a relationship uh, with us and the staff. And um, you know, and as we go step by step, um, you know, relentlessly pursuing, um, you know, trust in one another. Uh, I really think it's going to provide a special opportunity for us to grow uh, this summer and into the year. You've worked with a lot of coaches. You played for a great coach, Mike Montgomery, who is uh, just just a great human being overall. What's the best bit of advice you've received from uh, one of your former coaches or colleagues as you've taken on this new role at BYU? Yeah, from each coach that I've had the opportunity to work for, um, you know, I've learned so many tremendous things. Um, you know, preparation, competitiveness, toughness, uh, X's and O's, how to manage people, um, how to manage your time, um, how to manage a roster. Um, you know, but one of the things that each of them consistently has told me, right, as I've gone through my path is, Nick, you've got to be yourself. Um, you've got to, you know, show that, you know, the passion and enthusiasm that you have for this game, right, and the, for the young men that you're growing into men. Uh, but you've got to be yourself while you're doing it. Um, you know, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, over time I've been able to learn, right, step by step from each of them uh, different things and incorporate that into who I am and um, look forward to bringing, uh, you know, that passion and energy every single day. Uh, tell us a little bit about the three signees announced yesterday, uh, Wyatt Lowell, Richard Harward, and Trey Stewart. Yeah, so I've had the opportunity to, you know, watch them in different capacities, uh, you know, over the years, um, you know, and, uh, you know, they've got a tremendous opportunity for growth, right? Each bring a different set of skills, uh, each bring, a, you know, a different set, um, you know, of uh, uniqueness in their game, uh, which is going to be developed over time, um, you know, and obviously, you know, we want them to grow, right, individually uh, so that they're able to maximize, right, their skills in order to be able to reach their goals, Um, you know, but all three of them bring something unique uh, to BYU basketball. And uh, as they grow, as they develop, um, you know, over time, uh, they'll be integral parts, uh, you know, of this team and the program moving forward. And real quick, were you at Southern Utah with Ed Lamb at the same time? Yes, Coach Lamb, great, great friend of mine. (laughs) Now you're reunited. Um, (laughs) No, uh, we haven't been able to connect yet, but uh, I'm super excited to get a chance to see him. We've talked on the phone and texted a number of times, but, uh, yeah, Coach Lamb is fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. I did. <laughs> hey, Nick, uh, great to have you with us, man. Congratulations on the, the new gig. We'd uh, love for you to sign our Sailor Yeah, Coop let's fly. do it. He's a new member of the we staff. Need, we need a Stanford guy that made a buzzer beater. Yes. By the way, I read about that in the church news on my mission. Really? That's how I found out. About, I was like, who did what? We have a guy at Stanford? Nice. Now he's coaching at BYU. Yeah, awesome. Here we go. Okay, thanks, Nick. Hey, Spencer John, thank you. Appreciate it. it. Coming up, Bill Connolly of SB Nation discusses his preview of BYU football 2019. Why six and a half wins? But first, marquee games for BYU football. Too high, too low, or just right on the projected margin of victory or loss. This is BYU Sports Nation. Get him in the Qualtrics contest, right? On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, Kiki Solano discusses the Twitter feud between Cougar and Ute football players. Watch it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the YouTube. Oh, boy. Let's keep it rolling. BYU Sports Nation headlines continue. Starting with Yoli Childs. 
has NBA dreams. Did not receive an invite to the NBA Draft Combine or the G League Combine, but according to the Athletic Childs, will work out with the Memphis Grizzlies today. It's expected that he's going to have a bunch of workouts, especially once we get into June. I dare say a plethora. My Seattle Seahawks signed Ziggy Ansah to a one-year deal. Yes. That according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, ESPN's Adam Schefter Fort Sansa may miss the first month of the season recovering from shoulder surgery. Get better, Ziggy. And good luck in the Northwest. Not because you're a Seahawks fan, Jerem. Yeah, why'd you say good luck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> BYU basketball welcomes three more players. Richard Harward, 6'11 center. Wyatt Lowell, 6'10 shooting forward. And Trey Stewart, an athletic combo guard forward. They've all signed scholarships. It's termed financial aid agreements to play for BYU basketball. Harward and Lowell transferring from Utah Valley following Mark Pope. They'll be sidelined for the upcoming season due to NCAA transfer rules. Stewart will serve a two-year mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in England before enrolling at BYU and playing for Coach Pope. And baseball plays its final home series of the season starting tonight, 8 Eastern on BYU TV Digital and BYU Radio against San Francisco, both in the top four in the league. That's the cut line for the West Coast Conference Tournament. BYU number 31 in RPI. Hoping to stay high for a potential at-large bid should they not win the West Coast Conference Tournament. Yeah, how much will their RPI be affected when BYU has to play RPI 278 Santa Clara in three games to close out the West Coast Conference season and a low RPI team in Utah? Yeah, San Francisco is 114, so it's not bad. Yeah, just win this one. Win this one, do your part. It's been a while since they've been in Provo, too. 11-game road trip. Yikes. Welcome back. Yes, welcome back. Jeremy, let's play Too High, Too Low, or Just Right. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. We are discussing marquee games for BYU football in the 2019 season. They have been given projected win-loss numbers as underdogs or favorites. And we'll start chronologically, Jeremy. By S&P. By plus. S&P Plus rankings Bill from Connelly. Bill Connolly, who yep. will join us next segment. BYU, a 7.2-point underdog to Utah. Too high, too low, or just right? I think it's just right, given that BYU uh, lost by eight last year. Now a home game has lost eight in a row, of course. I don't know what eight years ago has to do with this game, but it does. Let's, let's be honest. I think it's probably just right. I think it's a little bit too high. I'd probably put it at a field goal. It's the first game of the season. It's going to be close. It's going to be weird. Yeah, I'd, I'd put it at three points with Utah as the favorite. Just yeah, a little U- bit too high. Yeah, Utah in in some uh, preseason prognostications is the best team BYU will play. Wow. So if anything, it needs to go higher, right? Well, the, uh, the best team comes in how many days? The countdown to the Utes. 112. Yes. We're close. Utah coming I to Provo. I like we're a little flat there. In 112 days. I think we need to work on it. Again? You want to do it again? Yeah, let's do it do again. Do it again. Let's Hit it again. again. Roll, roll it roll it back. Countdown to the youths. 112. That was better. Better? Okay. BYU at Tennessee, week right. two. 9.8 point underdog. Oof. What do you think? I think that's fair, Jerem. You think it's just right? Too yeah. high, too low? Yep. I think it's just right. Okay. Here's why. The porridge is just right. I'm not sure how much BYU is going to have left in the tank for Tennessee after the emotional <laughs> release against Utah. We don't lose. Yes. Right? Yes. And it's that tricky two-time zone trip where BYU against teams that have finished with winning records and Tennessee is projected to finish with a winning record and they're in the East Coast. BYU is 1-18 since 1982 against those teams. 
It's, Woof. it's just really tough That's in front of 109,000 people. Rocky Top's going to be rocking. Yeah, that's a tough road trip. So I think that's probably just right. This Tennessee team isn't that good. They were 5-7 and seven last year. They returned 10 starters from that team. 10 starters from a bad team. The most overrated thing in college football preseason is the assumption that everyone gets better. It's not always true. Those players stunk, and they're back. In fact, you don't want those players back, right? Maybe they get better. They haven't won eight games in a season since 08. Crazy, right? I, I think it's too high. Okay. Next, BYU a 2.6-point underdog to USC in Provo. Too high, too low, or just right? It's too low. I would say preseason, where we stand right now, that needs to be a little higher. Uh, USC, 5-7, and seven, wasn't that good? Just on talent alone, they should be a favorite against BYU. But USC plays Fresno State and then Stanford the week before BYU. So mm-hmm. the focus is going to be to get off to a 2-0 start, win that first Pac-12 game. I think BYU is in a position to pull off the upset. Yeah, I think that's just right. I, that's, I, am, I think that's the most winnable of the Power 5 games in the first four, Jeremy. USC there you go. at home. Okay, next, BYU is a 9.5-point dog to the dogs of Washington. At home, with how much Washington lost, I feel like this is a little bit too high. Mm. Washington's really good, but they lost a ton of talent, and they got to come to Provo. Like I think a place where 10, BYU hasn't defended home turf. I think almost ten points is too high. Yeah, but I I don't know, and I'm channeling this because people are high on Zach Wilson. I'm, I'm thinking the offense should be and will be better than scoring seven points against a better version of Washington last year in Seattle. This it's is too high. This is just right. Washington's a good team. They're going to come into BYU favored. Uh, this, they lost eight NFL draft picks, but they lose draft picks every year. They reload. This is Chris Peterson. The guy knows how to recruit. He's at a great spot, has, has a great thing going at Washington. It's just right. All right, let's finish with these. 4.4-point underdogs by BYU to Boise State and Utah State. The Cougars host Boise State. They play in Logan at Utah State. Too high, too low, just right. It's uh, just right for Utah State, but it's too low for Boise State. I don't see how these are the same. Boise State and Utah State are not on the same plane. Yeah, and how much does home field factor into this? I think that BYU should be like a on on par with Boise State at home. I think with what Boise brings back at Utah State, I could see the Cougars being a three point underdog. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think the home field is going to change around for BYU this year. I really do. Let's hope so. They need it. Well, it's they way tougher it. this year, so it's kind of weird to expect it to get better. They, they need it. Okay, coming up, Brandon Davies gets a notable honor in Lithuania. But first, Bill Connolly of SB Nation on why he put BYU at six and a half wins for his over-under. This is BYU Sports Nation. Nation presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Saturday, May 18th, we'll be live from the BYU Fan Fest in Nashville, Tennessee, from 1 to 3 Eastern time. Among the notable guests we'll have on the show that day, former Milwaukee Buck great Mark Pope will join us, won't you? Congratulations to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since Pope played for him and started for him in 2001. Pretty wild. Incredible. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Happy Thursday. And our question of the day, friendly reminder, is which movie best describes BYU's tenure as a football independent? Hashtag BYUSN to join that conversation 24-7. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is SB Nation's NCAA football contributor, Bill Connolly. Bill, welcome back to the show. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Great. Uh, let's start with the movie theme in BYU football. You compared BYU football and independence to Groundhog Day, which in and of itself is a great movie, but the idea that BYU can't seem to break free is not a great idea. So what would a non-Groundhog Day season look like for BYU in your mind? Well, I mean, it could look like 2017. That, that kind of strayed from the script a little bit uh, in the wrong way. But um, really, I mean, it's just been a, a funny thing. If you take 2017 out, if you use that as the, as the outlier, uh, you know, I, I'll, do, I'll do Salt Lake Radio. I'll do you guys. I'll do uh, interviews when my preview comes out. And every year we talk about, you know, is this what, you know, can BYU succeed as an independent? Can, are, are they doomed to fail and all these other things? Whereas they've just been the same top 40-ish team for seven out of eight years now. And so, yeah, like, I mean, in theory, if you go away from this theme, it's either bad. 2017, or it's a situation where the defense is as good as always and the offense actually figures things out. And that's what you have to hope for considering where BYU ended last year. And you talk about that a little bit in that Zach Wilson's performance was notable at the end of the year. Played one Power 5 team, so playing four in a row is certainly going to be different for him. But you mentioned that if that's sustainable, perhaps BYU can make a splash. What would a splash look like in the first, say, four games for BYU? I mean, you have to feel pretty good uh, if, if just starting two and two, because among other things, you're probably you, you've got a shot at ten and two at that point. Obviously, there are plenty of other issues on the schedule later on, but uh, if you start two and two, you have to feel like you at, the, at worst you held your own. Um, I mean, I've got all with, with what Tennessee returns. I'm not confident in, in I'm not overly confident in Tennessee, but my numbers like them a lot because they return so much. Uh, but all four of those teams are projected top thirty teams, and you got Boise State later on. If you can go two, three and two against those five teams, and that's a that's great for just about any team in the country. Uh, so that, that's probably the goal. It's, it's hard to, to think higher than that, but anything's possible. BYU should be able to compete with any of these teams. Bill, in your mind, which of the first four games against Power 5 teams is the most winnable for BYU? At a glance, I would say, probably, you know, as strange as, as it seems, like we know the least about USC right now, just in terms of you know, what, you know, there's this giant mystery of is this the year they, their offense stops underachieving and actually forms an identity of sorts. And if it does, then you know, they're a potential top 10 team. But until we know that it has, until we know that they're uh, capable of taking a step forward offensively, then they're kind of the worst of the four, maybe. Tennessee on the road, like I, I would say Tennessee if it was in Provo. But in, in Knoxville, that, that is a more experienced team. That'll be a pretty tricky one but i would say those two are more the two most winnable of the four right now for those unfamiliar with how the s&p works will you explain in layman's term what that metric is so the most important things to to remember about s&p plus are you know it's it's uh, opponent adjusted it's tempo adjusted and it's built around the things that are most sustainable in uh, in football from drive to drive from game to game from season to season so big plays are random and, and explosive and, and unreliable and and hard to kind of bank on it's hard to build a predictable team around that but efficiency the the five yard gains on first and ten that sort of thing staying ahead of the chains that thing is that is extremely replicable from year to year and, and whatnot and so that's what i've built the system around I really like it because it takes into account all kinds of things, right? It's not just straight-up win-loss record and whatnot. What, what we really need for this, Bill, is for the playoff committee to use your metric like they use uh, the men's basketball committee uses Ken Palm and KPI and Sagarin and that kind of thing. So who do we need to talk to for that? Well, that's a good question. I was about to ask you the same question. <laughs> if, you know, if you know anybody, let me know. I wouldn't object. Exactly. We, we, yeah, we know some people. You know some people will try there. What I thought was interesting from the S&P Plus rankings the last few years is 
BYU's only ranked team in independence that finished the season, granted it was the ESPN USA Today poll when USC wasn't available in it, was 2011. That team was ranked 43. You had last year's team at 46. So I thought that was really interesting that that team that we thought was perhaps the best in independence was only three spots higher than a 7-6 and six group last year. Does that speak to, I guess, the means of a season and the difference in schedule perhaps? Yeah, the schedule part is, is definite. And then it's just, you know, the randomness of close games really, I mean, it affects your record, obviously, and it affects your AP ranking for the same, you know, for very obvious reasons. But it doesn't necessarily, just because you made one more play against, against this team doesn't mean that you were demonstrably better than, than uh, like you said, than a 7-6 and six team from a previous year. So, yeah, that 2014 team uh, was probably the closest BYU's come to, to com- having a complete team. I think they were top 50 on both offense and defense. The only top 50 offense they've had recently. Uh, and that's kind of the model for this year, I think. Just uh, there's a, There was a well-roundedness to that team that hasn't necessarily existed in other years. Yeah, number 35 in your S&P Plus uh, rankings at the end of the 2014 season went 8-5. and five. How many wins does BYU need this season with this specific schedule, which is tough, to finish, let's say, in the top 25 of those rankings? Well, just knowing about uh, in terms of S and P plus, or in terms of the like the AP ranking, S and P plus, S and P. You're probably like if if if, if BYU overachieves by about a touchdown per game compared to what, um, but compared to where they're currently projected, uh, that would put them at eight wins. That'd probably put them about thirty fifth. So you're probably nine wins is probably what it would take to 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 have ended up playing like a um, like a like a top twenty five team. I mean that said, there's obviously you know a few teams get super lucky and a few teams get uh, super unlucky. But I would say a nine and three BYU with that schedule is a top twenty five caliber team. Okay, and so yeah, let's attack the AP angle now. Do you think BYU's schedule is tough enough that they could win nine games? Because in the past, it's been ten wins typically gets BYU ranked at the end of the season. Right. It, it, is nine and three good enough? It kind of maybe it depends on USC. Maybe that's the best. Well, well, actually, I mean Utah, Washington, and USC are all potential top twenty-five teams themselves. So I mean, if you if, if they all end up playing pretty well, they all end up around the top twenty-five, and BYU beats one or two of them, and, and you know Boise State's got potential as well. I think that's what it's going to take. Ten and two, and BYU would be ranked nine and three. It kind of depends on who they beat and who they lost to, and how good some of these potentially good opponents are. I'm of the opinion, and it's, I'm in the minority, I think, here, that I think these schedules are just a little too tough for BYU if they want to be nationally relevant. To me, because to me, that means you finish the season ranked. BYU's had relevance. They beat Wisconsin, uber-relevant, right? They go down. They've had some really nice wins. Do you feel like this schedule is conducive to a relevant season because it's going to be tough for BYU to get to that 9 or 10 win plateau? Well, Right. I mean, with this schedule, if you go 10-2, and two, then, then relevance is off the charts, right? Mm-hmm. But what I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, uh, it, it's kind of a combination of needing uh, attendance, needing uh, TV ratings, needing to justify certain things in that regard. So you play a lot of, of P5 teams, whereas if you played one and beat them and then had uh, nine uh, you know, uh, lightweights on the schedule, you'd go 12-0 and 0 and you'd be in the top 10, whether you deserved it or not, whether you were actually better than uh, you know, a team that would have gone 8-4 and four against a harder schedule. So... I, we don't necessarily reward hard schedules enough just generally, especially with uh, the way the polls still carry relevance. But I do think, um, yeah, there's a, there's a case to be made that if you lightened up and just and, and, you know, timed your one great performance against the one good team on the schedule, then you know, you'd end up with a lot more relevance, whether you deserved it or not. Follow him at SBN underscore Bill C. Bill Connolly 
SB Nation NCAA football insider with us on BYU Sports Nation. For the Cougars and Kalani Satake, you have them at six and a half wins in your win total over under this season. Where would you, if I had to hold your hand to the fire, put BYU in terms of how many wins they will have by the end of the regular season? I think, you know, my projections uh, are, are not based on, you know, late season growth or anything like that. It's full season. And when you lose, say, a quarterback who started the year as, a, as the starter and ended up as a backup, it, look, it looks at your returning production and thinks, wow, they lost a lot of passing yards. It doesn't necessarily just give them credit for Zach Wilson. So my projections, I think, are a little almost artificially low. They're projected 50th overall. I would probably put them closer to 40th or, or the same 45th range that they've been previously. And I think that uh, gives them a good shot that may be overachieving at least a little bit uh, in terms of what those uh, projections I've got right now are. It feels like there's a lot of games on the schedule that could swing either way, right? Uh, in terms of the win percentage you allotted, either between 40 and 60 and then single-digit uh, game, or I guess one-score games. There are a bunch on the schedule that it feels like this could flip anywhere from yeah. six wins to nine wins. Yeah, the offense is, I mean, the offense is projected 66 because that's basically what BYU's offense typically has been. But if, if this really, if what we saw late last year is something real and if they get to where they have a top 30 or 40 offense and a top 30 or 40 defense, that's what's a lot of games. You're right. I mean, there are, what, two or three almost sure wins on the schedule, three, I guess. Uh, but there's, you know, as it stands with a number 50 projection that I feel is a little low, you know, uh, there's no double-digit underdog on the list. Tennessee uh, is pretty close at whatever, 9.8 because, again, my numbers love Tennessee. Uh, Washington's pretty close, but they're all within a certain range where if you do overachieve your ratings to a certain degree, every game on the table is winnable, even if you're probably not going to win them all. BYU's defense loses a couple of major disruptors, Corbin Kafusi and Sione Takitaki. What do you expect from the BYU defensive side of the ball this season, which, as you have pointed out, has been typically pretty solid from year to year in Independence? Yeah, when you're so consistently solid defensively, I just kind of give uh, that defense the benefit of the doubt. But last year's BYU defense was a little strange just because it was far less disruptive than I'm kind of used to seeing from BYU over time. Uh, and then the, you know, the two best disruptors are gone. So I do think there's a lot to... I mean, I have just from a stylistic standpoint, I'm kind of curious what uh, the Cougars have to offer. I assume they're going to be pretty good. I, I like once you get a streak going of, of quality play, I just kind of you know ride the streak out and. Uh, assume that, but yeah, I mean, if if it really was a case of not really being able to produce more disruption overall, then losing your two best guys in that regard are, are going to be pretty costly, and we'll see what the front seven can do. I I think the the, the secondary is good no matter what. I, I don't really have a lot of questions back there, but yeah, I, I'm really uh, you know disruption is kind of the the most direct path to quality defense. Otherwise, you got to tackle really well and and never suffer a breakdown and all these other things. If BYU can't do that, that makes their job pretty hard. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, BYU fans are very excited about Zach Wilson and what they saw that he could do. Went 4-3 and three as a starter, almost beat Boise State. Uh, BYU was up 20 twice against Utah, and of course the bowl game, he was literally perfect. Uh, what do you expect from Zach Wilson? Well, I think the best thing, uh, the, uh, the, the most encouraging thing about Zach Wilson to me is that he should have a, a reliable run game to lean on. That was something that, um, you know, they really, they really tried to, to push forward last year and they got somewhere with it. They were far more physical and they were far more successfully physical. So um, obviously, you know, when you lose in three, there are basically, what, four guys in the running back platoon. You lose three of them, but you got two transfers in. Uh, you got some interesting freshmen. If there's a good rotation there, the line should be solid. And, and the best thing you can give to 
what is now a sophomore quarterback start you know a first year uh, starting the the beginning of the season for the first time the best thing you can give him is a good running game so you combine that with the fact that the receiving core appears to be loaded you had a you know a giant platoon with no real go-to guy last year and a whole bunch of them return I, I think you've got to be really encouraged as as encouraged as as you could be with BYU's offense since what heading into Mangum's sophomore season maybe Bill great stuff uh, we've got our people placing a call to the college football playoff committee right now to see if we can build some inroads for you i appreciate it our thanks to bill Connolly joining us on the deseret first credit union hotline deseret first your values your timeline your financial future coming up why a provo crossing guard is the best dressed man in provo we have mo longy news as well in regard to his football future and anytime it's mo it's big news this is BYU sports nation let's see what you did there Shout out to today's guest, BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson and SB Nation college football insider Bill Connolly. Shows on demand via the podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Cougars in pro hoops. Billy Childs did not receive an invite to the NBA Combine or the G League Combine, but according to The Athletic, will work out with the Memphis Grizzlies today. Baseball. The Cougars play their final home series of the season beginning tonight at 8 Eastern on BYU TV Digital and BYU Radio against San Francisco. They have an RPI of 31. Track and field. BYU hosts its final meet of the regular season, the BYU Cougar Invitational, today and tomorrow. It appears they changed the name from the last chance meet. I'm a little disappointed about that. BYU men rank number three, women rank number 12. They hope to improve their regional qualifying marks. Golf. Rose Huang of BYU Women's Golf shot four under par in the final round of the NCAA Regionals, finishing the tournament at five over. Very solid, but did not qualify for the next round of play. What a career. Oh, wow. Lacrosse. Number two, BYU beat Texas 16-6. Of course they did. In the first round of the WCLA National Championships, they play number seven, Virginia Tech, in the quarterfinals today at 3 Eastern. Football. BYU football's Mo Longy has announced on his Instagram account that he is retiring from football due to a recurring neck injury. We're bummed to hear about that. Yeah. Long he played in four games during the 2017 season. We wish the best to him and uh, a healthy, happy future. Never really saw what he could do. Today's rise and shout-outs. For me, Jerem, goes to Brandon Davies, who made the All-EuroLeague first team. He's crushing it across the pond. Averaged 14.2 points per game for his team, BC Zalgiris. They had another fantastic season. Mine goes to the blue uh, plaid clad crossing guard. Former BYU running back Jamal Willis tweeted a photo of this guy in Provo rocking an amazing shimmering blue suit. <laughs> this guy is the man. <laughs> Our elite voice for the day presented by Sundance Mountain is what's celebrating 50 years. Which movie best describes BYU's tenure as a football independent? At Soda Cook Answers, the DC Universe movies. We're never really satisfied, but we keep going back for more, hoping that this one <laughs> is the one. <laughs> no time for Dennis Pitta. Ran Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Justin Robinson. We'll see you tonight for BOA Baseball at 8 Eastern on BOA TV digital platforms. Go Cougs.